Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Delighted to be joined by our next guest. You can catch him over at uh, Fox 31. Of course, a uh, long time in town and uh, one of our more versatile folks we get to talk to in town. Aaron Anderson uh, joins us. You can follow him on Twitter at Aaron Anderson's A-R-R-A-N. And Anderson is S-E-N. Aaron, thanks for joining, especially on such a uh, short notice. We just kind of texted back and forth and you decided to hop on. Appreciate it. Uh, for this Nuggets and Lakers game two, uh, before we get into that, I'd love to hear your thoughts on game one, not only how they started, but how it finished, and then how, what that brings in, if anything, into tonight's game. Well, I, I'm thrilled to have a chance to speak with the two sage minds, uh, especially two individuals who can remember the TV show Dallas. And the reason <laughs> I go there, yeah. the reason I go back to the show Dallas is you will well remember, and for the folks out there not familiar, Dallas was the most popular show on television in the 80s detailed uh, the, the scandalous lives of an oil family from Texas, right. the Ewings. Yeah. And there was a season in which one of the main characters, Bobby Ewing, was killed off. And right. the very next season opened with the lovely Victoria Principal, who I still think is one of the most fetching leading women ever to appear on the silver screen. No doubt. She was jostled out of a slumber in the morning uh, with the realization that there was somebody in the master bathroom. Right. This poor widow, what is she to do? And she wanders over to the door, opens it up, and there's Bobby Ewing wrapped in a towel. And he says something to the effect of, hey, babe, and what were we as the viewers left with? Well, we were left with the idea that the previous season was, in fact, a dream. And the reason I touch on that is I felt like all day yesterday, game one may have been a dream. Because the national narrative was that the Lakers lost the game, but somehow had the upper hand. Today, another revelation, which is Lisa Salters, who's ESPN's number one sideline reporter covering these Western Conference finals, admitted floppily on national radio that she had never seen Nikola Jokic play before. And this comes on the heels of Mark Jackson, who's going to be doing the color for tonight's game for ESPN, inexplicably leaving Nikola Jokic off his ballot for MVP. So for me, I feel a little bit like Victoria Principal. I'm just trying to figure it all out as far as <laughs> my recollections of game one hey i thought the nuggets played really well for about three quarters and i don't know if take their foot off the gas is the right way to frame it but the lakers were able to get back into this basketball game because the game itself slowed down uh, the, sure the nuggets stopped running that, and gunning. that's not debatable yeah and you know ultimately what do we take from that i think you can take away the fact that this is a team that plays very, very well at home. As Michael Malone has said time and time again, if they are running, if they are defending, they are one tough team to beat, and I would expect that to be the game plan tonight. The mission for Denver is transition. If they play half-court, you know, rock'em, sock'em basketball, it's going to play right into the Lakers' hands. But if they can get up and down the court, this is a team that's fun to watch and certainly capable of putting anybody away and, and do it in a quickly fashion. I want to follow up on that last point you made because we were talking about it a few minutes ago, and I really want to emphasize it because I know people come in and out shows like these and they listen at different times and so on, but I think it's such an important point because there's such a contrast when people talk about the Lakers being the number one rated defensive team. They're talking about half court. The Lakers, in point of fact, 
at least among remaining playoff teams, or maybe among all playoff teams, the worst in transition defense, but the best yes. in half court. So yeah. guess which style benefits the Nuggets more? One where they push the pace or one where they play half-court basketball against the Lakers and let's see who comes out on top. Uh, it, no, There's no that, doubt how they should attack the Lakers. Yeah, and, and I got a kick. You know, there was so much made out of Rui Hachimura coming off the bench and, and employing this this new defense. And Michael Malone laughed at it yesterday. We're going to put Rui on Nikola Jokic. We're going to allow Anthony Davis to play free safety and patrol the rim and all and what Michael Malone said yesterday is, yeah, we've, we've seen all this before. And I think really the, the point that you're making, uh, Sandy, is to keep the Lakers from throwing these obscure defenses at the, nugget, at the Nuggets tonight would be to, to keep the ball moving, whether it be uh, after a Laker bucket, you know, running right up and down the court, I agree. And, and staying away from free throws, because I think that's the one thing that stood out in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. There were a, a, a lot more free throws shot by the Lakers, which, in fact, killed the momentum that the Nuggets had and, again, played right into the Lakers' yeah, hands. Yeah, and, slows the game. You know, what was fascinating for me was the fact that Darvin Ham employed the, the, the small ball to start the game. If you think about the Nuggets' front line, you've got Jokic, who's seven feet. You've got Michael Porter Jr., who's 6'10", Aaron Gordon, 6'9", uh, KCP is 6'7", you've got Murray, who goes 6'4", 6'5". That is a formidable group. So the idea that Darvin Ham would even employ a small ball um, you know, offense, or I guess a, a starting unit to start this game was yeah. just baffling. And, and that's why we see... Well, it didn't work. It, there's no doubt it didn't yeah. work. But the of thing course. about Ham that impressed me, though, was that he was willing to experiment. Rather, and they were down 21 in the third quarter. It wasn't Absolutely. just a 21-point margin in the first half. It was fairly far into the third quarter. About halfway through the third quarter, still 21-point nugget lead. And instead yeah. of just throwing up his hands and saying, hey, this game is gone, let's get ready for game two and start resting people, and sure. he said, and this is a good time to experiment. Let's, let, let's throw a bunch of things out there and see what works. Uh, and if anything works, because nothing was working on Jokic at that point. No. Nah, absolutely nothing was working, and it didn't really much matter who was uh, who was guarding him or what kind of defense. So they came up with something new, and it. I believe they fell into it, and any suggestion by anyone, including Ham, that it was one of their alternate plans defensively coming into the game, Uh, I've talked to people who know a hell of a lot more about this than I do, who've coached on this level, and they say to a man, to a person, he fell into it, taking nothing away from him. He is willing to experiment, and that's a good thing. You use a game like that, or really, if you're going to experiment, do it in game one. And and, and a lot of it won't work, but maybe some of it will, will work to a point where you know, you're not going to do it for 48 minutes or even the no. 40, 42 minutes that Jokic plays, but it, it gives you something that I think slows the game down. The thing I noticed was how much slower the game got. And on the 17 possessions in which Hashimura was on Jokic, the Nuggets team, forget about Jokic, 
the Nuggets team only scored 14 points. In the 50 yeah. possessions in which Davis was the primary defender, the Nuggets scored 76 points. You don't have to be yeah. a math major to see the difference there. No, not at all. And, and the beauty of this seven-game series is you're going to see coaches tinker, right? And yes. uh, Malone talked about this yesterday, which is like, okay, we, we've seen their cards, and now we're going to come up with a counter. And, and if you start thinking about maybe the way to a- attack that defensive strategy, maybe you sub Aaron Gordon out, you force uh, Anthony Davis to cover MPJ, and you just sit him right there on the wing. You say, okay, you want to play safety, We've got a guy who can knock down three-pointers and did so in the regular season at a 47% rate. And, you know, we'll see how long that works for the Lakers. So it's a chess game. It's going to be cat and mouse. And, and I think you hit right on the head, Sandy, which is, hey, you're down 21 points. At that point, what do you have to lose? Exactly. Yeah, nothing to lose. But yeah, don't just let's, sit let's, there and, and, yeah. and take it. You know, try especially in game one. I, I can see later on in the series, depending on what where the series stands, I can see sure. letting a game go and and, yeah. and feeling that resting uh, certain people have been playing a lot, maybe playing more than they should be playing, uh, take an opportunity to rest them. But you don't do that in game one. You, you no, try things. No. Yeah. And, and give L.A. credit. I mean, that was a heck of a comeback. I mean, how many teams out there would probably have just packed it in and said, ah, you know, our mission is just to get one game in Denver. This one's a foregone conclusion. Let's just uh, put our feet up and, and focus on game two. I give them all the credit in the world. I mean, to trim that deficit to three on a couple of occasions, LeBron had a chance to tie that game up with, what, 48 seconds left with a three-point shot. I mean, that, yes. that's a heck of an effort. Yep. The, the, the question I think we all have heading into game two is, what do they have left? I mean, this is a team that was taken six games by Golden State. Um, the Nuggets had the benefit of a four-day break to watch how that series unfolded. And they're playing at altitude. I, I believe that LeBron played 40 minutes. Anthony Davis played 42. Right. Um, Davis, I think, is in, what, he's 31, 30 years old. The, the way he plays and lumbers up and down the court, that body looks to me like it's closer to 35 or 36. We'll see what those guys bring tonight. And, you know, the beauty of these seri- the, the series as they stand now is the games are played every other day. It's not like you know, some of these ridiculous yes. first-round series where you play Friday, Sunday, Thursday, Tuesday, and before <laughs> before you know it, you don't even remember who's left alive. Well, there's right. four teams left, and they want to alternate the nights, obviously. They want sure. a game on every night, uh, which yeah. is a pattern they haven't always followed, no. but uh, good for Adam Silver and good for the NBA. Um, a game yeah. every night. One night it's Denver Lakers, and the other night it's Miami and Boston. And the beauty here, guys, is that the tip-offs are right around 645. It's not these 30 starts where you're looking at your watch going, yeah, I think I can stay up for another quarter. Like, good grief. These things are over at a palatable, palatable time. And, uh, hey, thus far they've all been compelling. That, that game last night between the Celtics and Heat, that was fascinating. And uh, it'll be fun to see who escapes that one because I, I don't think the Celtics are done, but I'm stunned to see them lose on their home court. I'm not. I told everybody before this series starts, never tell Jimmy Butler the odds. Ever. Mm. Ever. Wow. That guy is um, an assassin. End of story. <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't a one-man job last night. It was I, not, I, but I, he did I throw in 35 with, of his points, they, however. No, I, I understand that, yeah. but, th- but the key was – Four other guys scored 15 mm-hmm. piece <laughs> who had no business scoring yeah. at that level. They, they, I, I'd buy you getting 20. That I can buy. But they believe the Butler helps guys, them believe. Uh, oh, yeah. no question. 
and he also helps them in more tangible mm-hmm. ways than than that. But that's that's a big one. He does give them confidence. Uh, but you know, it occurs, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, but I just want to sneak this in before I forget about it. That there are some years that not every year, but there's some years when one team seems to have a little bit of magic and also get the breaks. And boy, would it, 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 it again, I'm getting ahead of things. The Nuggets win this series oh. and they get Miami, which is an infinitely better matchup for the Nuggets than Boston would be. It, it, even given Boston's oh, yeah. up and Nuggets down nature, you got to be a Heat you fan want, right now. You want Absolutely, the Heat. You do. The Nuggets have killed the Heat head-to-head in recent years. Killed them. Yeah, that's who you'd want. I would love to see it, but guess what the national narrative would be, and we're getting way ahead of ourselves, if the Nuggets were to beat the Heat to win the Larry O'Brien trophy. The national narrative would be, well, you beat an eight seed, you beat a four seed, you beat a seven seed, and an eight seed. That's yeah. A- but they aren't the first team to do that. Sometimes you need a little luck, and sometimes True. playoff seasons go that way. Yeah, also, it um, happens all the time in the NHL. You don't get to take the trophy away, yeah. right? <laughs> Scoreboard. Yeah. Who cares? You can, you can only play who's in front of exactly. you. Exactly. They're not picking My goodness, if teams, if teams don't get through, I mean, is, is that your burden? Hey, if, Boston, if the Boston Bruins were so good, they wouldn't let the Florida Panthers beat them. Sorry, you know that's what? how it works. If given the choice between if I'm Michael Malone coaching against – uh, the the fellow Mizzoula? in Boston who doesn't seem to understand that you get a certain allotment of timeouts that you can actually right. use, and you have to play all four uh, players, and, and, not and, three and, or four. And, uh, no, uh, but and 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 was ridiculous enough to say after the game, "Well, we won three of the four quarters. It ain't that bad." Neat. Who gives a <laughs> yeah. you know what? Ridiculous. I, I mean, so I'd rather coach against that guy if I'm Malone than coach against. Yeah. A future Hall of Famer in Eric Spolster. Yeah, but the talent level yeah. is significantly different, and, and it is here for the Lakers Except as well. Alone, I'd rather coach. Uh, right, yeah. We're right. talking to uh, Arn Anderson from Fox 31, and Arn, uh, you brought it up a little bit, and I, I do want to consider that. To my mind, the X factor tonight, the maybe even for the whole series, in game one, I think it showed it, may very well be Michael Porter Jr. The defensive effort was there. Uh, no, he's not a lockdown defender, but he was good defensively. He was aggressive on the boards. He wasn't afraid to get on the floor. He actually a couple times even was able to effectively guard LeBron James. He was scoring when he needed to. And as you pointed out, he may be the counter to any sort of idea for roving uh, with, with Davis. Just let MPJ park out there and bomb away from three, and you'll have to drag somebody out there. Uh, to me, he is really the guy that the Lakers don't have an account for if he is playing well. They don't have a guy who matches the scoring. They don't have a guy who can match his explosiveness. MPJ is sort of the wild card of this whole series. This is his opportunity to show that he's the player that people thought he was coming out of high school. Yeah, and and how about the buy-in? I mean, we, we hear that uh, he approached uh, Coach Malone during yeah. the Phoenix series and said, hey, if you need to close this thing out with uh, Bruce Brown on the floor, I don't have a problem with that because I want to win. I mean, yeah. you're seeing a guy who's buying into the process of winning. And, you know, you think about game one, so many guys stepped up. I mean, do we give Contavious Caldwell Pope enough credit? I mean, my goodness, that guy was all over the court. He was making things happen. Um, yeah, I thought he was kind of the unsung hero. Uh, absolutely. I really do, uh, especially and, and in the first half. And obviously he was a part of that Lakers team that beat the Nuggets the last time these two hooked up in a Western Conference Finals. I mean, he's got experience. You hear Malone talk about him and the things that go on 
within the locker room and film session, suggestions made. Um, you know, he was the guy that suggested that he pick up uh, Devin Booker last series full court to, to frustrate him, and that's exactly what happened. So I think we're, we're really seeing a team really kind of galvanize as, as they get to the, the meat of this postseason and the most important games. And uh, I, th- I think it's fascinating to watch Michael Porter Jr. I, I, I don't want to say he's growing up before our eyes, but he's certainly becoming the player, as Sean said, that we thought he might be capable of, capable of being when he was, you know, drafted. So I, I think, you know, Sandy, you talked about luck. We, we all watched that avalanche um, Stanley Cup run last year where things seemingly always went their way. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe, pretty maybe much. we're catching a little lightning in the bottle. I, I don't know. Again, I, we're, we're a little premature in, in planning a parade route uh, right. and, and, you yeah. know, lining up the fire trucks for that thing. But uh, I think, you know, as, as you know, the, the conference, or the, excuse me, the, the series plays out here, I think we're starting to see those pieces fall into the place where you're like, aha, this team is finally starting to come together. He is Arn Anderson. Make sure you throw him a follow over at Twitter. That's R-N-A-R-R-A-N, Anderson with an S-E-N from Fox 31. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, this really is uh, no better time than the present for Michael Porter Jr. And, of course, the Nuggets have a, a golden opportunity taking those two early ones. As I pointed out, yeah, they say it's not a series till the road team wins a game. But if you're the Lakers, you don't want to be needing to win four out of the next five. So it is a big opportunity for the Nuggets tonight. Appreciate the time, my friend. Hey, Great talking to you guys. Have a good afternoon, and uh, I'm hoping for a great game tonight. I think we're going to get one. All right. Arn Anderson joining us. Thank you. It is uh, it is a, a big opportunity, and I, I think we agree. Uh, you're going to get a little regression towards the mean. This is going to be game so. in, the, in the high 120s and 130s. I think you're going to see uh, maybe, I, I actually think maybe the 110s may be even tough to get to. I think this is going to be a slower-paced game. Well, they, they, how much they, of that is a concern they, for the Nuggets? There's a gentleman with whom we will be speaking in a few minutes who believes uh, maybe it'll be a game in the 90s tonight. The second game was with the Suns. And it's sort of the kind of game we thought it might be in game one. Uh, so we were wrong by a couple of days. Yeah, well, you know. At, le- it, at least. The general <laughs> At idea. least we were wrong about that. Very good. Yeah. For a couple of days. We were wrong about other things maybe, or I was, uh, a bit more long-term implications. But... I, I do I, I think psychologically it's important tonight and I, I'm not sure who's gonna win. I, I was more sure that the Nuggets would win game one than I am that they'll win game two, although I think they will win game two. Um I'm I'm not nearly as confident of that as I was, and it doesn't have everything to do with the Hachimura Jokic thing uh, at all. But it, it has something to do with this. Davis, Hachimura, and James were on the floor together for only 14 minutes out of 48 the other night. In those 14 minutes, the Lakers were plus eight. The Nuggets shot eight for 23 from the field. And the Lakers were plus two in rebounding. Remember, the Nuggets out-rebounded the Lakers by 17 in game one. So for those 14 minutes... I'm not saying those 14 minutes become 42 minutes tonight, but I'm saying what if those 14 minutes are 20 minutes and they somehow turn out to be an important 20-minute period in what's going to be a close game where just tilting a few of the stats a little bit in their favor might mean the difference for the Lakers winning this game. But that's it. 
I, I think this is as much as I've ever looked forward to a game too, um, at least around the Nuggets in all the years that I've been out here watching. I'm really interested because I have no idea how this game is going to turn out tonight. I like the Nuggets, but not by a lot. Well, they do need a, a, a win if they want to go ahead and hold home court. But if you are injured, you absolutely need a win. So you need to talk to our friends at Burnham Law, BurnhamLaw.com. And the phone number is 720-845-7001. Hire the winner. Their personal injury attorneys have years of experience fighting for their clients on locations all over the front range, including Fort Collins, Boulder, Westminster, Cherry Creek, Colorado Springs, even Cheyenne, and right here in the DTC where we are. So when you're injured, they'll push for you to get the maximum recovery, whether that's by settlement or by trial. So don't hire a lawyer off the billboard. Hire someone who you know will fight for you and get the win. That's our friends at Burnham Law. BurnhamLaw.com, 720-845-7001. We will be joined by Coach George Carl breaking down this Nuggets and Lakers Western Conference game two in just a couple moments next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Coach George Carr will join us in uh, just a couple of moments to talk about uh, this game. But it is, uh, we agree that it's going to be much lower scoring. Yeah. But the the pace is interesting about it because the, the Nuggets obviously were at their best when they were playing at a very high pace. And 17 transitions. And when points. the game slowed down, the Lakers were able to get back in. Two in the second half. Is the reason the pace is going to be slower because the Lakers dictate it that way? Or how much of this is the Nuggets' tendency to, even when they have extraordinary success out on the run, that Malone and the Nuggets tend to play at a slower well, pace for whatever yeah, reasons. And, and and how I, much, who, who's really going to be the one changing this? If you're not running in practice, you're not going to do it in the game. Um, and, and, and at least not consistently. But it, it, I, I will say this, they, and it's not totally unrelated that the Nuggets killed the Lakers on the boards in the first half. And really the last three quarters of the game, the rebounding was about even. Uh, the Nuggets had that sequence, remember, in the first quarter where they got three or four shots <laughs> before one finally went in, right? It, it, just an offensive rebounding. The Nuggets were better in the first half than the Lakers were in total rebounding. <laughs> Jokic had 12 rebounds in the first quarter. Uh, quite a considerable percentage of those on the offensive end. They weren't just defensive rebounds where the ball bounced to him. He's going after the ball on the offensive end, sometimes against smaller guys, but sometimes against Davis, and he's just beating Davis because he's relentless. And Davis is not into that rhythm given the people he's had to guard in the two previous rounds. Now, you know, I know during the season Hachimura guarded um, – Carl Anthony Towns a bit. Mm -hmm. And in the playoffs, he carded Jaron Jackson a bit. To me, that 
you know, and in today's positionless basketball, maybe I'm making a distinction that really doesn't mean very much, but they aren't centers. They, they aren't centers. And I think the Nuggets need to, as our previous guest suggested, move the ball around, uh, and, and it can't stick as much and there can't be as much dribble in their half-court game as there can be the other night. I think the Nuggets have a tendency, maybe even subconsciously, and, and, and not suddenly, but gradually, just you know get comfortable and have the lead and kind of deep down think, well, if we slow the game down, that's a good way to protect the lead. And it's kind of a, a prevent offense, as our friend Scott Hastings mm-hmm. described it the other night, um, somewhat similar to the uh, prevent defense in the National Football League. And Joe Collier is the, the smartest person on defensive football that I've ever been around and taught me a ton uh, to the extent that I was capable of learning uh, what what he taught. He was, he was wonderful that way. And uh, in younger days, uh, I brought up the idea of a prevent defense. And he said, well, th- there are certain situations that do call for the prevent defense. And he made another point. He said, listen, you know, people don't talk about the prevent defense negatively when it works, which probably more times than not it does. But I, I think the Nuggets have to guard against that. And every game's not going to be a fire drill. You know, it's not going to be racehorse basketball for 48 minutes. It can't be. But to just gradually, little by little, we saw it in the scoring from quarter to quarter to lose it that way. Uh, I, I think you've got to be conscious of it. And, I think that should be one lesson the Nuggets get out of game one. Forget about the individual matchups, but don't don't play into their hands by turning it into strictly a half-court basketball. Joining us now to talk about it is Coach George Carl. Of course, he uh, hosts the uh, podcast Truth and Basketball with Santa Clough uh, right here, a little partnership between Truth Plus Media's and Mile High Sports. So, Fresh edition out uh, today. Right. You guys recorded one today. So, Coach, uh, thank you for, for joining us. Obviously, a, a big opportunity for the Denver Nuggets. But we talked to you uh, in the last series, and you mentioned how difficult it can be to get a home team ready for a game two when they won game one. Is the way that this game finished, does that change that at all? Well, I think there are a lot of good things that you can take from game one uh, and and come up with a very positive game plan for game two. But, you know, right now it's about intensity and desperation. And even though... L.A. looks like they have to win tonight's game. In a lot of ways, there's a lot of things that say Denver's got to win tonight's game. And I just hope Denver realizes that the game is going to be very, very intense. And uh, I told Sandy on a broadcast this morning that if I was the Lakers, I would put a priority on winning the first quarter just because they cannot dig a hole. Right like they did in game one. Uh, uh, the Lakers were lucky in game one because I don't think their offense is as potent 
to come back from a 21-point lead as well as they did in game one. Uh, I think they're more of a defensive team. They're more, and all teams at this time are balanced and have the ability to play well at both ends. But I think the forte of, of the Lakers right now is they want to run. They want to play fast when they have it. Yes. But I, I think with Denver, they want to play fast all the time. <laughs> um, and why they slowed down and what happened in the second half, they lost their rhythm. They lost yep. their flow. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's reasons for it. Um, but I don't think they can fall into to a half-court game. I think mean, a half-court game, the confidence of the series would probably drift towards the Lakers. But I, I, I like the matchup a lot. There's a lot of things in it. It's on it. There are a lot of things that are going to be done tonight that weren't done in game one. And I thought Darvin Ham did a good job experimenting with trying things in the second half. And I'll be honest with you, I think he found some things. But Dover, I'm sure Denver found some things too. Yep. So it's going to be fun to watch tonight. You mentioned, if I understood you correctly uh, on our podcast earlier today, that there were three things that would show up tonight as being especially important uh, in game two. And none of the three things necessarily involve a particular individual. Uh, do I have that more or less right? Yeah, I, I think the game is going, going kind of philosophically on how they play. First of all, the Lakers know they cannot have a differential rebounding like they had in game one and still stay in the game. Uh, the stat sheet in the game one lied. It was yeah. not a three-point game. The stat yeah. sheet was, was more like a 15-point game. Right. Um, and, again, that's how that's why basketball is such a great game. You can win playing poorly. You can win playing well. You can win playing up and down. Uh, but it's rebounding. Transition defense. Who scores off the other team's mistakes, bad shots, and turnovers, and who converts those opportunities? And I think the other thing that every game in the NBA right now is a factor. You've got to keep the free ball kind of even. And I think Denver had the better free ball looks in game one. Yep. And, and I think... You know, I don't know who that is on Denver. I don't know who that is in L.A. I think Denver's a better three-point shooting team than L.A. is. But, again, you got to go out there tonight, and I think if L.A. can to win the three ball, or at least stay even on the three ball, I think just for those three things, fundamentals and stats, I think it could be a – I think that they all could tilt the game towards the Lakers if they want some of them. Coach, when we're talking with Coach George Carl, of course, uh, the switchovers in the second half where LeBron James ended up really targeting Jamal Murray and, and the Nuggets weren't really uh, able to find a way to, to get away from that. Expect that's going to be part of the equation again. It just makes sense. Uh, and that it wasn't anything to stumble upon. That actually hit on something they'd love to do. So if you're the, the Nuggets, how do you look at everything you have to deal with and adjust so those switches don't occur 
in a way that's so detrimental to the Nuggets' chances? Well, I think the switch, the switching, I, I like switching. I've always been an advocate of switching. I mean, it messes with the other team. It takes away options of the other team. But I think the option they got to be ready. If, if they work hard to get LeBron on the Jamal, then I think Denver's got to have a counter by a double team or some type of whoever switching behind the ball. Right. Um, um, I think they've done that in the past. I think that can be easily adapted. But I also think you're going to find a very aggressive LeBron. Uh, you know, I think the last couple of games I've watched LeBron, he's kind of feeling the game out. He's kind of like figuring out what he has to do to be successful. Uh, if I was that darling, I would be going to LeBron. I said, LeBron, I need you to go out and give me 10 points in the first quarter. And LeBron, you know, has had a very erratic three-point shot. But I still think, you know, I see LeBron take some. And at times, LeBron can get hot and make three or four. When it comes to this matchup, uh, there's a pretty good line uh, that I think came from uh, uh, Matt Miller uh, after game one where he said, uh, the Nuggets have more ways to beat you, but the Lakers might have more guys to beat you with. <laughs> uh, and getting back to your point about a willingness to uh, experiment, uh, which would you rather have? Would you rather have a team that has more ways to defeat an opponent or would you rather have more guys who are capable of, in certain combinations, beating an opponent? Oh, that's a tough question there, Sandy. I've always believed that the best team wins NBA championships. Right. Not the most talented team. So I'm probably, philosophically, I'm into probably having a more balanced team that has more weapons to, to jump up and help them. Um, the Lakers did not get a great performance from the others the other night offensively. And I think they're capable. I mean, I know Russell's a bad defender, but Russell also can have the ability to have a 15-point quarter. And uh, Schroeder is a guy that I've always thought is a little better than he plays. Uh, so I think they got, I think the game, you know, I think the game – they got they got help inside with Hawkins. I can't pronounce that name. Hachimura. Uh, I think they got him playing a great game. I think you're going to see him in the starting lineup. And I think I think I think LA's probably going to be big most of this series. Uh, the way I think it's balancing out right now. We are talking with Joe, Coach George Carl here, and last one for me, Coach. I mean, looking into tonight, it. What situation could come out of it? Obviously, if the Nuggets win, we know that's great. But let, let's say the Nuggets hypothetically drop this game. What situation, if if we're describing that loss, what loss would worry you and which one would just say, hey, it's the Western Conference Finals. Uh, this is how it goes. Well, I just think two, a 2-0 lead has such a – you're in control to probably game five. No. And so you have two or three games. To get one, and um, and and maybe finish it off. But 
it just the balance of a 2-0 lead is so much different than a 1-1 series. 1-1 series, it looks like you're beginning over. You're starting over with the other team having the home court advantage. Right. And the, and the desperation part of the game goes to the team that's on the road. Uh, if, they, if they win 2-0, it becomes somewhat of a home court series. And all members got to do is go down and win one. And I just think the inexperience of the Nuggets, I think it would be highly beneficial to go up 2-0. I, I just think they, they're mentally strong. I love how Jokic is playing. But they still got a lot of questions that need to be answered. And going up 2-0, I think would put the Lakers in a doubting situation. Uh, I know Anthony Davis had 40. I just don't think he can duplicate that tonight. I think they're going to have to find other people and other guys to help LeBron win the game tonight. So I think it's a challenge right now for the Lakers to come out desperate, but together, confident, but also knowing that it's going to be a probably a fourth-quarter game that's going to come down the last five minutes. That is the unmistakable voice of the one and only George Carl. Of course, check out Coach's uh, media company, Truth Plus Media, a podcast on sports, leadership, and human performance. You can find them at truthplusmedia.com, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, you name it, and catch out of the Truth and Basketball podcast, the fresh one uh, today that Sandy and Coach Carl put together literally this morning. So some pregame listening for you as well. Coach, always good to talk to you. Uh, thanks so much. Hopefully when we uh, talk about this, maybe it is getting to about uh, game five and the Nuggets find themselves still in control. Appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Uh, it's going to be a great night. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. All right. Always a great yeah. to talk to uh, Coach Carl. Just a couple minutes and you're a better basketball fan. That's all it takes. So uh, always great to have yeah. him uh, I, on, on I the program. I think you touch on something that's really interesting. If it isn't Jokic, who really steps up tonight. Now, we said going into the series that if you're going to win four games, probably can count on Jokic getting two of them. Maybe win one with Murray and or Porter and or Gordon, and maybe you win one because your bench, which it wasn't the other night, is better than their bench, okay? Jokic might be one of those... Players who might get you three. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he does that again. He's already gotten them one. Uh, maybe he can do it again tonight. One can hope. Of course, want to get your uh, feedback as well. 303-831-1340 is the call and text line. Uh, we will take a look at these games and give you our prediction of what we think will happen. We'll do that next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome back to Sandy and uh, Sean. We are taking a look here at the Denver Nuggets and the uh, LA Lakers in game two. A, an extraordinary opportunity. We just talked about it with Coach George Carlin. You know, you can say what you will about, yeah, you're the home team, you win the first two, uh, you did what you're supposed to do. But the coach who said it himself, no, it's it's an immense amount of pressure. It means that, that you're in control. And 
that's what the Nuggets want to get in this game. Obviously, the Lakers uh, want to go ahead and get one of these very badly. As a matter of fact, the way that they've won the first game on the road in their previous series shows that they would they really like, and in fact, they've talked to some people in, in L.A., that the idea behind it is the Lakers had went all out in their previous series to win game one, knowing that, okay, you've already stolen home court advantage. Now you don't have to ride Davis and James so hard in game two and then get them ready to come back when they're back in L.A. The Nuggets held on despite a pretty furious rally, and now the Lakers don't have that luxury. LeBron and Anthony Davis have to go full bore and take this game because otherwise, yeah, you do run the risk of uh, needing them to win both in L.A., which they're certainly capable of. But when you're talking about in LeBron's case, and he can still dominate, but he is 38, Anthony Davis, so we had Arn Anderson on before. Anthony Davis's age is one thing. Yeah, his body, given his injury history, is another. Uh, there's no question the Lakers would like to protect these guys, but they can't afford to tonight. So for the Nuggets, I'm with you. I think they're going to take the Lakers' best punch in the first quarter. I say with you and Coach George Carl, all three of us said the same thing. Yeah, uh, they're going to get the first punch in that in there, and they're going to try to to take this game away from the Nuggets, or at least put them on their heels. The Nuggets this year have not had that happen to them very often, and that's a good sign. Maybe it won't happen tonight. But if it does, what is the adjustment you'd want to see if the Lakers get out to a fast start? That's a good question. Um, I think you may have to get a little bit creative. It it depends on what exactly – is involved in that fast start. If it's 25 to 15, let's say, um, it looks like a lower scoring game, less pace. I'd be more worried about that than 35, 25. I'd be more worried about Me 25, too. 15. I'm worried about a 35, yeah. 25, the, 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 they, the 35, 25. Okay. Uh, they, they, they threw a, Nice right cross at us, but we're still standing. It's too early to have the fight stopped, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and we'll bounce back in the second quarter. I will look at the other half of the game, though, because George has said this, and in fact, I think he mentioned it on the podcast earlier today. For a coach in the playoffs, the adjustments you make at halftime are sometimes more important than the adjustments you make between games. And I thought Ham did some things in the fourth quarter that were interesting, but he he was experimenting, and he he did, I thought, a pretty good job of eventually getting to that big front line. I think You'll see a lot of them together, more than you did the other night. Again, I'm not saying 42 minutes together, but more than 14. You'll see Hachimura, James, and Davis. And they can rotate their guards. Uh, you can spot in Vanderbilt. I think Schroeder will come off the bench. Russell will start. Shooter will come off the bench. Shooter's used to coming off the bench, although he has started. Vanderbilt is used to coming off the bench, though he has started. Uh, Walker is purely a bench guy. Um, 
but they, they can mix and match with, with those guys. I think the three guys up front that they'll maybe try to get maybe 28 minutes instead of 14 mm-hmm. of those three guys playing together. In other words, most of the game, what concerns me about the nuggets and you, my friend have made this point more than once. The dicey quarter for the Nuggets, if there is one, seems to be the third. Always the third. Now, sometimes they go and blow teams out of the water in the third. Sometimes. But a lot of the times, and more often than not. It's kind of trick or treat. Yes, it is. With the Nuggets in the third quarter. Mm -hmm. And, again, that may be where Malone's rigidity works against them a little bit. And... Sometimes your adjustment when you're up 72-54 is saying, guys, we need to come as close to playing at that pace as we can here in the second half. Yes, I, I know instinctively maybe you pull back, maybe you slow down a little bit, but we've got to keep that pace up as best we can. It's got to be intentional. And I think that word was one I saw bandied about on the LA side that they played with more intentionality. I'll tell you who's played with more intention than anybody in the playoffs, the Miami heat. Yeah. In particular, Jimmy Butler and Spolstra might've been the guy I got that word from because he, Spolster uses some big words that most coaches don't use after games. And he talked about intentionality last night, I think, after the game. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, that's where I got it from. And I said, yeah, that's. I, I think the Lakers played more to their style. The Nuggets opened the game with intention. They did. They, they intended to do what you're supposed to do, and that was they wanted to punch the Lakers in the yep. mouth and see what happened. Yep. And now they've got to be ready tonight again, as best they can to match the intensity slash desperation of the Lakers in game number two. The Lakers, as uh, we speak, arriving down at Ball Arena, the game tonight, 6.30 tip to be expected. We're getting Uh, 6.30 tip. Yes, uh, obviously that is going to be a a monumental matchup. I mean, the opportunity for the Nuggets is is almost difficult to overstate. That's a good word, too. Opportunity. This is not must win, no. even for the Lakers tonight. I've heard people say, oh, it's must win for the Lakers. No, it's must not. win is when you've lost three games, mm-hmm. all right? Then you're in must win mode. But, but, opportunity for the Nuggets is there tonight. And you do not ever and assume. And then the pressure's off to an extent in games three and four. And when the pressure's off, you can play you can the play way this. you want to play. You can, you can play, play with a free mind. You have house money. And That's the way spirit. to do it. And, and hopefully the Nuggets find a way to get it done. Of course, we will be back tomorrow to break it all down. And uh, uh, we'll have great guests for you tomorrow, too. Romy Bean, uh, Justin Adams will join us. Today, of course, we had Aaron Anderson. We had Coach George Carl join us. Uh, terrific folks breaking all this down with the Nuggets and the Western Conference Finals. Danny Bailey in the booth, along with Andrew Detmer, making us uh, look and sound good. Thanks so much. Thanks for everyone who uh, joined us on the uh, call and text line as well. Caught us on MileHighSports.com or on the MileHighSports app. We will be back tomorrow, but we're going to hand things off to our friends at Afternoon Drive. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. Keep it right here on Mile High Sports.